Well, we have a lot of generous givers. Thank you to those who give regularly, and thank you also to those who give above and beyond their normal giving and give to missions. We have some extra money in our missions account, so when the opportunity came to send some people on a missions trip last week for spring break, we did. So uh, Eric, Jerrica, come on up here. They're going to give us a little report on their doings. Whoa, you're going to read from all those books? That's intense. I will not be reading. I'm nervous. Uh, I brought us some readers, though, in case. Okay. <laughs> These are just illustrations. Okay. Illustrations. Okay, don't hurt me with those. I'm going to get out of the way. <laughs> okay, well, like Craig said, you sent um, Eric and I to Kansas City this past week um, to serve with a missionary couple there, um, Joseph and Abby Williams. I just met them this past week. We don't um, support them as a church, but... Um, we went and met them and served them and alongside them. I'm going to let you, I don't know what you plan on talking about, so I don't know where I need to skip to. Uh, don't skip anything. Okay, great. So serving um, them, we did um, service projects um, for their home. So um, missionaries, we support missionaries, and part of that is um, giving them money so that they don't have to work, you know, outside you know, have a, a you know, normal nine-to-five job. In most cases, we support them so that they can do their job of missions um, and telling others about Jesus. So we, by doing projects, helped them and ministered to them in that way to free them up to continue to um, tell others um, about Jesus. So we ministered to them. Um, I didn't really do any construction work, you guys. I didn't really do that part. <laughs> I, I got to help Miss Abby. Um, she's a homeschool teacher of her kids, and so went through books and clothes. They have a baby on the way, so I did a lot of that stuff ministering to them. Um, and then outside of that, we ministered alongside them. We did a VBS um, for an Ethiopian church um, when we got there first thing Saturday. We did prayer walks um, through neighborhoods um, in the community. We visited... Um, the people group that um, they are missionaries to. Um, it's a very um, closed and hard to reach people group um, from the Horn of Africa. Um, and so we were able to go eat at different restaurants, visit different shops, um, and meet some of the people that they've made connections with over the past five years. Um, so, and then <clears throat> we had um, morning meetings um, as our as our team. Um, we did Bible studies, singing together, um, and then debriefing in the evenings. There was a lot of things to see and hear and learn, um, and so we took some time in the evenings to debrief and sing and learn some more. So that was kind of what a normal day looked like. Um, we did. I did a food pantry um, one day. Um, I don't know what all I did. I'm still processing a little bit. But, okay. Anyway, lots to see in here. So this is my plug for missions. Um, was so good to see what that looks like on the field, and I didn't have to go out of the country to do that. Um, if you know me at all, you know I love the African people, and there were thousands and thousands and thousands. And I only tried to kidnap one little baby, and I gave him back. So <laughs> I think we was successful. So. To those who give to missions, thank you. Keep giving. Um, if you feel led to go on a missions trip, whether it be stateside or overseas, talk to Craig or 
somebody else and, and see if we can get you plugged in to do that. It really is was very refreshing and a great reminder that missions, and if you're in my King's Kids ever, when I am in there, we talk about missions and that missions happens all over the world, but it happens here too, and, and we don't have to go far um, to be part of that. So, Awesome. That was a great summary. <laughs> um, to tell everything, we'd probably take the exact amount of time that we were there. It'd take a whole week. So I'm just going to tell you what I learned. By using my history. Many of you know that I was a firefighter in Colorado for several years. And these are the books that I had to know. And I studied these books every day, every shift. I spent about three hours for six years. I never put these down. I made an outline of them, a new outline every year for each one of these. This is a hazardous materials book. We had to know a lot about that. We didn't use it often, so we were pretty serious about learning that. That's our uh, emergency medical book. We use that a lot, and so we were also very serious about learning that. And this is our essentials book. We have to know all of this stuff, even though we use all of this fairly rarely as compared to the total numbers of hours you might work. And on top of those um, you know, outlines and serious studying that I did every day, we also trained a lot, and we um, tied knots. We tied knots every shift simple knots that you would think you wouldn't need to tie every shift or blindfolded, but you did because you knew it might be important one day, and it was important. And you would put your gear on, and you would put that on every day, three, four, five times a day. I think I did it six times a day, and uh, I made my partner do it a few times. He slept most of the day, but I did it six times a day. And uh, then you would check yourself in the mirror, make sure you didn't have any exposed skin because you'd get burned you could get more. We had two guys missing an ear in our department. So now I just need you guys to answer. Why did I spend all that time doing that? Does anybody know? To be prepared for what? And what were my duties? Thank you. Saving lives. Who said that? Yep, I did all of that to save life because I took it seriously. Life and death. It was life and death, right? So, do we take this seriously? Is it life and death? Do we spend that kind of time? I spent more time in this than I've spent in this. So, that's what I learned, and that's what I was convicted of. That, um, And I'm sorry, and I repent for not being more intentional with how I live and how I evangelize. I learned a lot about that, how to do those things, so I'm changing that. That's all I wanted to show you. Okay. And I'm just going to read the passage um, for this morning. It Turn to Proverbs chapter 4 with Jerica. <laughs> Proverbs 4, I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. Says, Hear, O sons, the instruction of a father, and give attention that you may gain understanding. For I give you sound teaching. Do not abandon my instruction. When I was a son to my father, tender and the only son in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. Acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will guard you. Love her, and she will watch over you. 
The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom, and with all your acquiring, get understanding. Prize her, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a garland of grace. She will present you with a crown of beauty. Thank you. King's kids, if you are in second grade on down, we're going to dismiss you now. We've got some teachers in there ready to entertain you, teach you, lead you, grace you. All right. Yep, follow those little boots. All right. You two are too tall. What are you doing? Is he just making sure they get there? Oh, okay. Good. Make sure he's got a good job. Uh, well, while he's gone, let me do a commercial real fast here. Easter is coming. Out in the lobby, we have some business cards. Um, that are good for inviting people. We also have some postcards uh, with a map and our service time. Service times are normal on Easter. We still have the 9.30 small groups and then the 10.30 service. Uh, but use those. That's what they're there for. Um, or pens. We also have pens with our phone number and address on them. And there he is. This guy is prepared. He is up my pen ministry. I've had to keep up with my pen supplies just for you, Roy. I appreciate your faithfulness couple more things we have to help you out with. Uh, if you use uh, any, uh, the version Bible app on your phone or uh, tablet or even at home, we've got, uh, if you, it's, a little, it's buried a little bit, but if you hit the tab and you pull up events, when you click on events, it automatically asks you if it can um, use your location, allow it, your location, and then the churches you are closest to that have their notes online will pop up. Uh, if you're in church today and you pull that up, we will be at the top of the list. Now, if you're at the other end of the block, then Oakwood will pull up on the top of the list. I'm not preaching his sermons, not yet. He's not preaching mine, but we might swap one day. Uh, but anyway, we have the bulletin notes online if you want to do it that way. Or if you're ever not here, you can pull them up. So the notes are available through the Uversion app. And on our website, gracewayenid.org, is it O-R-G? Are we an org? Or, yeah, Graceway Enid. You click under sermons, and you can find audio files of every week's sermon. We're also on Facebook, you know that, but on our, on our website, if you click on sermons, there's also a sermon discussion guide. Um, every Sunday morning, let 99% of Sunday mornings, I remember to make this live. These are extended notes about what I'm about to talk about. You can use these uh, with your kids in your family group. If you guys want to talk about the sermon at lunch later or throughout the week, we also have some small groups that meet and they use this as an outline. Uh, my group meets on Thursday mornings down at the fellowship hall. We print this off for everybody. We talk about the sermon kind of help us keep going in the same direction. We, if you missed any blanks, it's a good chance to fill in the blanks that you missed. But you can use this, and we're always open. If you feel interested, you want to host a small group in your home, or if you just want to open your home and I appoint somebody else to be the leader because you're going to be hospitable and open your home on a weeknight, 
we, we would love to put this in your hands. I can print them off. We can mail them to you. Um, Sharon is really good about that. She prints them off. She can mail them, call the church office. What we're trying to do is equip you, the saints, for the work of the ministry, which involves knowing God's word and talking about God's word. We're putting more and more notes and, and tools into your hands so that you will have a reason for the hope that lies within you. Make, it, make your faith a talking point. Not just something you do on Sundays, not just something you do privately. Our faith is meant to be lived out. If God has really changed our hearts, shouldn't it show? Shouldn't it show in the, not just the way we live quietly, peaceable lives, yes, but also publicly, vocally, generously? Welcome to Proverbs. The faith we say we have in God should affect the way we act, speak, and live. Raise our kids and go to work. And this is Proverbs. This is ancient wisdom. Jesus just makes it a lot more practical when he, he sums up the Old Testament and the Sermon on the Mount. We're taking the time to unpack Proverbs and we're going to see the very same things Jesus teaches. So, the, the title is relate with wisdom or relate to wisdom you need to find a way to see that God's wisdom has everything you need you need to see that wisdom wisdom owns what you need wisdom of God has what you need has it you need to see that the wisdom of God, it deals with all the issues you deal with. It deals with your mortality. It deals with work. It deals with government. The wisdom of God deals with your health. The wisdom of God deals with your heart and your mind. The wisdom of God talks about pain and suffering. You need to see that wisdom deals with handles and addresses every area of your life and you need to see that the wisdom we are searching for gives us insight into spiritual things things that we cannot even learn in the course of our lifetime when we relate to God's words, when we relate with wisdom over and over and over again, it becomes a relationship. And let me start by saying the goal of your life is not just to relate with wisdom, but to relate with wisdom regularly enough that you develop a relationship with an invisible God. That is the point of this book. God is the hero of this story. You are a small fish in a cosmic pond. And we are created to know an infinite, gracious, all-loving creator. 
And that should humble us. Because we don't deserve that. I know I don't. I know you don't. And yet, God is with us. He's with us in the power of His Holy Spirit. He's with us in the presence of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. He's with us in the reading and teaching of His Word. God is with us through other believers who also have the Spirit. God is with us. And that should change us. What should the change look like? Welcome to Proverbs chapter 4. Let me summarize it with your next blank. God filling your life is the life of wisdom. What does a life of wisdom look like? Is it about checking off all these boxes, having the right investments, being properly minded, ordered, disciplined? Is the life of wisdom, is it, is it like having everything together? No, it's having God. Don't reduce wisdom, don't reduce wisdom to a checklist. Wisdom is a person. That's how Solomon is portraying God's wisdom as lady wisdom. Somebody you are meant to get to know, to embrace, to be intimate with. God filling your heart with His wisdom is is lady wisdom marrying herself to you. We're very familiar with the New Testament picture where God is the groom and we are the bride. Solomon is flipping that where God is the bride and we are the groom because he's addressing his sons. Embrace, marry yourself to lady wisdom and you will marry yourself to God. This is not new information. Jesus is not teaching something new. He's teaching the same thing. The emphasis is to not just relate, but relate in such a way. We know this. We know this. We know that if we relate with somebody regularly enough, we develop a relationship with them, right? We know that. That's how we have to handle God. But we have to be careful because some forms of Christianity only and ever relate with God on a surface level and never enter into any kind of intimacy, never enter into any kind of extended prayerful conversation with God, never enter, never enter into exploring the depths and the width of God's Word. Just keeping it all at a surface level faith. Sure, you can recite a creed. Sure, you can regurgitate some doctrine. You've got some memory verses from Bible school. But do you have a heart for God? That's what Solomon wants for his kids. He wants them to have a heart married to God. Not just have wisdom, have the God of wisdom filling their lives. Those are two very different things. One is religion and one is relationship. That is why we emphasize relationship with Jesus Christ. Because that's what he wants. It's what he wants. I want to reread 
these verses with the question in mind. How can we relate with wisdom? Write that down. We're going to reread these. How can we relate with wisdom? Now, back of your mind, it's relate in such a way that this becomes a relationship. Pay attention. Don't show the next slide yet. We're going to do it after I read. Pay attention to the commands, to the verbal commands. I'll try to emphasize them as I read. So grab your Bible, Proverbs 4, one more time. Verses, I'm going to go through 1 through 8 because verse 9 is going to be a bit of the conclusion. Hear. Listen up. O sons, a father's instruction. Be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and he said to me, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget. Do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever else you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. Next slide. There is so much, I don't want to say aggressive language, <laughs> but strong language. Pay attention. Listen up. Learn these things. These are verbal commands that require a response, that require an action. This is not passive belief. This is not superficial. Just look at it and relate to it. Relate with these truths from God in such a way that you are pursuing. Hold it. Keep it. Get it. Get it. Don't forget it. Don't turn away. Don't forsake. And I love this, that the word love. Love. Get it. Get it. Prize it. Embrace it. I really like the mix of the positive and the negative in there. And there's so much more in the Bible. So many more positive expectations God has for you than negative. The Bible's thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. There is a lot more thou shalt. In fact, apart from God's commands that everything come into existence in Genesis 1 and 2, His first command, enjoy every tree of the garden except 
for the tree of the knowledge of good and bad. Even God's initial instructions to humanity, the positives far outweigh the negative, the one. That's, that's still true. God wants to give you himself because there's far more positive in him than there is negative in you. And he's really, he's really telling you, if you see this the right way, would you please let go of yourself? <laughs> would you please stop trying to get your way? Would you please stop acting like a petulant child holding on to yourself? Let go. Get God. Get wisdom. Marry yourself to her. Love her. Embrace her. Make her the love of your life. Because Lady Wisdom is God himself. Not a piece of God, but all of God. His nature, his very nature can be summed up as wisdom. It includes love. It includes grace. It also includes justice and righteousness. The wisdom of God summed up is all of God. So I like the mix that is in there. Yield to the good, reject the bad. Knowledge of good and bad is the very thing we've always wanted and needed. And that's how Solomon portrays it. And this adds, adds to my personal conviction that God wanted Adam and Eve to learn good and bad from the very beginning. He just didn't want them to go out and learn on their own. God was going to walk with them, talk with them, meet with them every day. God was going to unfold the goodness of himself to them and they would learn good and bad from him as they needed to. So why did God even put that tree there? Because there, there can never be genuine love without a genuine choice. He could have put a popsicle in a rock and said, don't touch that. It doesn't matter that it was a tree. It doesn't matter what the tree was about. What mattered was for them to express genuine love and trust and commitment to God, there needed to be a choice. Same for you. And if you'd been there, you'd have made the same foolish mis mistake. You would have eventually given in to self and to Satan and to the things that the world has that God says no to. Those are, the, those are the temptations. The world, the flesh, and the devil. That's just the way it is. But that's not all that there is. There's also God. Sometimes he's just kind of humming in the background. And we just, get, we just get preoccupied with the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Fight myself, fight others, fight, 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 fight. Spiritual warfare. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Fight, 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 fight. The greatest commandment is not fight. It's not fight yourself. It's not fight the world. It's not fight Satan. The greatest commandment is positive. Love the Lord your God. Oh, it's, it's kind of like always there, but not always right here. And we always worry about all these things. We, we, that's the wrong focus. 
These are the worries and the troubles of life in this world and our mortality and raising kids and going to work and making ends meet and paying my debts and surviving this tragedy and getting through this and getting through this. Love the Lord your God. If Solomon were to summarize it, he would say, embrace Lady Wisdom. You want to cut through all the noise of your life? Pay attention to a father's wisdom to his son. Learn from me. I've learned these things from my father. Hold to these things. Keep these things. Get wisdom. Get insight. Don't forget it. Don't turn away. Don't forsake her. Love her. Get, all of your being needs to be invested in this. Get, get. Prize her though and treasure her. This is not an objective search for truth. This is some buddy we need to prize and then embrace. And then verse 9. Write this down. Receive, relate, and experience fulfillment. What happens if we do these things? Verse 9 says, She, Lady Wisdom, representing God Himself, will place on your head a graceful garland. And bestow on you a beautiful crown. A graceful garland and a beautiful crown. Like, that's it? I get like a necklace of flowers and a crown of gold. Like, I thought there was more coming. Um, if you focus on the gift, you'll miss the point. The point isn't the gift. The point is the attention from the giver. You've embraced her. You've loved her. And like a good grandparent, you don't care what the little booger scribbled on the piece of paper. You put it on your fridge. It's the relationship that matters. Not the reward, not the garland, not the crown. It's the fact that I've embraced God. And verse 9 says, He is now acknowledging and gracing me. He's giving me His attention. God is not distant, and we just relate to Him and worship Him as Almighty Creator. He is intimate, and He responds to us when we respond to Him. When we really love Him, he loves us back. But we're going to learn that that's not even, the, that's from our perspective. When we love him, he loves us back. But it's deeper than that. So verse 9, wisdom's presence and attention in your life is your great reward. Write that down. God pays attention to you. God becomes your great reward I love Genesis 15.1. Write that down. It's, it's not a slide for it, but Genesis 15.1. God says to Abram, Fear not, I am your shield. And the literal translation is, Your reward, great, exceedingly. God uses <laughs> infinitive absolutes 
to describe the exceeding greatness of Abram's reward, God. It's a really beautiful passage. That's what Solomon is saying. Wisdom's presence is your reward. Wisdom acknowledging you is your reward. Um, God is not like this rock star and you're, you're just in the crowd and you're pushing your way to the front so you can get a better view and you're hoping you get a sweaty wristband or you get, you, oh, he looked at me. Like, that, that's not our God. He's not so high and lifted up that he doesn't come down and be with us. He's not just to be worshipped. He's to be embraced. And he makes time. This is the amazing part of God. He makes time for each one of us. Look back at verse 4. Solomon says, My father taught me and said to me, so, this, so these are the words of David, right? The words of David, the man after God's own heart. Yeah, that's a good person to quote when you're going through Proverbs. Your grandpa says this, verse 4, Let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. So Solomon quotes David and shows us this is a heart issue. Write that down. This, this whole thing about wisdom, it's not about your actions. It's about your heart. Well, let me say that. It's about your heart first, and then your behavior will follow. A lot of people use Proverbs as behavior modification if not for their kids, at least for themselves. If then, if then, if then, before we even get to that, verse 4, heart issue. You don't have the heart. It really doesn't matter what the hands are doing. Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. So this is, heart issue let your heart hold fast my words uh, you better make sure you get that order straight and you better make sure as you're teaching little people you help them understand the order whack boom bang tears <laughs> tell them you're sorry Sorry. Is that what you want? Behavior? Teaching your kids? The teachable moment there. Hey, that was really mean. You did something very violent and angry to somebody that I love and that I think you love, or at least who God wants you to love, even if there's no love there, right? You've got to cover every angle. That's why Jesus has to die. For my anger, your anger. My hatred, your hatred. My selfishness, your selfishness. And when we say we are sorry, because you need to say you're sorry, it's because you've dishonored God and you've dishonored them. At what age is a kid going to handle that? Two? 
No, there's need to be immediate consequences for disobedience and outbursts. Three, four, five, you might need to give a, a little more junior version of that. Like in our family, we don't do that. And if you do do that, here are the consequences. There may not even be an apology because they may not even know what they did or why they did it. But you start getting to eight, nine, ten, and those little brains are forming. They understand relationships and they understand consequences because you've taught them all the way up. The hardest part of your parenting and grandparenting is taking the time to stop what you are doing and enter into their lives. It's so hard when we're scrolling, when we're gaming, when we're busy doing what we want to do. It, 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 that's the challenge. Put down the wrench. Take the pot off the burner. Your kids are more important than dinner. This is a hard issue. That's what Solomon and David are teaching us. Are you willing to put your entire life on hold to deal with heart issues? And if we won't do that when it's other people, then I know you're not doing that when it's you. That's hard. Right? Isn't that why parenting is hard? Because it requires you to lay down your entire life to raise them right. Christianity's hard. It's the easiest thing on planet earth. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Put him first. The easiest. I would say yes. Because there's one thing. Easy because there's one thing to do. But that one thing is also the hardest thing you're ever going to do. To say no and say yes. To say no and say yes. That's what loving God is. It's shutting yourself down, putting yourself second, and then third, and then fourth, and then God becomes one, two, three, four. He overwhelms you with all of his goodness, all of his life. Turn to 1 John with me real fast. 1 John. The New Testament has a lot to say on this. 1 John, if you hit Revelation, you went too far. If you found Peter, you're not there yet. Keep going. 1 John, 1 John 5, 3. I'm going to read three different little passages here. And then we'll do the next blank. 1 John 5, 3. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. Here's verse 3. For this is the love of God. Yes, tell me what it means to love God. We keep His commandments. That sounds hard. Next line. His commandments are not burdensome. When you love God, the things He asks you to do don't become hard anymore. 1 John three twenty three, And this is His commandment. Yeah, tell me what this commandment is I need to do. That we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded. So, a restatement. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Now turn to 1 John 4. 1 John 4, 10. And this is love. 
not that we've loved God. Remember that formula? If, if I love God, then he will embrace me. There's something even deeper than that. That's true. If you search after God with all your heart, you will find him. He will meet with you. But that's not the only part of the formula. There's a deeper, older, bigger part of the formula. This is not behavior-based. If I love God, he will love me. Case settled, I'm religious. No, there's more to it. And this is love. Not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us like that, we also ought to love one another. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So here's the first John emphasis of love. Write this down. We love out of being loved. And that's what relationships do. We relate, we handle God's word, we learn God's word, we pray God's word, we meet with God's people, we relate, we relate, we relate, but God's end game is for you to be in a relationship with him, to marry yourself, to turn, your, to turn ownership of your heart over to him so that not you receive everything, but so that you receive him. He wants to be close to you. Pursuing wisdom, next blank. Pursuing wisdom is pursuing God through Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is the relationship. That's the relationship Jesus is after. That's the way Jesus articulates Christianity. That's what he means when he says, follow me, follow him as he follows God and you are led by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus is after, not your obedience, not for you to be a good little boy, not for you to be a good little girl. He wants you to become a child of God who on their own is close to God and has a relationship with him not about behavior modification this is not about what to do but who to be who am I supposed to be last line a relationship with wisdom is a relationship with God himself be attentive O sons, let your heart hold fast my words. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget, do not turn away, do not forsake her. Love her. Get wisdom, get insight. Prize her highly. Embrace her. We are on a pursuit for God himself. This is what Solomon wants. For his children, this is what Jesus wants for us. If you have a lot to worry about in your life, you have a lot to pray about in your life. If you right now in your life 
if you have a lot of comfort and ease, that's God's way of saying, now you're ready to get out of your comfort zone and go serve and help others. What steps can you take today to build your relationship with Jesus? Last slide, no blanks. Your fight is against the world. That's the tree. Oh, it's so tempting. The world is everything you want for happiness, health, wealth, prosperity, entertainment. The world has everything. Just reach out and take it. You're in charge of your life. Be who you want to be. Follow your heart. Do what is good for you. It, it's okay. Your fight is against that. Because some of those things, God says, no. Not yet. Not now. I will give it to you. Don't go after it on your own. Sometimes it's just your old self. The Bible calls that your dead self. The flesh as a rotting corpse of your old life, your old desires, your old passions, your old experiences, your old sins, and they are chained to you. You cannot get away from all those in this life. You just have to keep giving them to the Lord every time they haunt you. Every time you hear that chain rattle, every time you smell the corruption of the old you, you get on your knees and you say, thank you, Jesus, that you've redeemed me from that. You don't need to celebrate it. You don't even need to pull that sucker out of the closet. But you do need to stop looking at it. Stop putting it on. It's dead. Don't dress it up anymore. Don't try to make it pretty. Just let it be the stench in your nose reminding you of who you used to be and love God anyway. He can still use you and change you. We all have that. And behind it all, the source of all evil, Satan himself, that great dragon. I didn't have a dragon, so. The world, the flesh, the devil. What steps can you take this week to fight against yourself? What do you need to do? Turn away, look away, get somebody to pray with you? Need a prayer partner? Need to learn more? Probably not. Probably there's something you just need to say no to. Something you just have to accept about you, about somebody else, about a situation. Remember, this is, this is about finding God in everyday life and it all here. Stay with me as we close with a prayer. Are you willing to agree with God this morning that His ways are better than your ways? Are you willing to extend more energy and effort into pursuing God instead of pursuing the things that usually wear you out? Close your eyes, bow your head for just a second. You know your life better than I do. Sometimes I don't even know what I'm doing. And look at your heart. Christian, are you off track? Have you been pouring your time and energy into something other than God's will and purpose for your life right now? Have you been chasing after things that are shiny and pretty instead of 
spending time with the Lord, letting Him bring into your life the things He wants you to have? Are you pursuing people? Comfort in others, from others, when you need to learn to be comfortable in your own skin. Your identity as a child of God is more important than your attractions. It's more important than your career and your dreams and your future. Jesus is your future. Search your heart. God, where am I falling short and where can I step up? What positive things can I do this week, Lord, to give you more of my heart? And what things do I need to stop doing or work on or stop yet again and confess yet again in order for there to be more room for you and me? Holy Spirit, He's out for you. Yield to Him. Be convicted, but then choose to change. Heavenly Father, we lay ourselves before you and we ask that you help us change today. Help us change this week. Help us to be the people we know we should be or at least help us to want it more. Change our hearts. Even if nobody else sees it this week, we need to care more, God. So help me to care more. Change my heart Break my own heart over sin. Even if nobody else knows it or sees it, change me. I want to want what is right. I want to want you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me All my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head down I will sing of the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God I love your voice you have led me through the fire in darkest night you are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend I have lived in the You have been faithful All my life You have been so, so good 
goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, surrendered down, I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. From today, for today is from Revelation 7, verse 12. Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. You are dismissed. <laughs>